The following presentation of the Midland City Planning Commission will begin in a moment. The Midland City Planning Commission is responsible for overseeing the city's master plan, conducting public hearings, and offering recommendations to the City Council on a wide range of local land use issues. The Planning Commission consists of nine Midland residents who are appointed by the City Council. Planning Commission meets two Tuesdays per month at 7 p.m. in Council Chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Good evening and welcome to this special meeting of the Midland City Planning Commission taking place on Tuesday, October 25th. This meeting is called to order. Will you please call roll. Fields? Here. 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 Bain? Here. Vanasek? McCoy? Here. Roderick? Kohlinger? Here. Craig? Here. Mr. Chair, you have a quorum. All right. Uh, purpose of this uh, special meeting is uh, to cover uh, updates to the City Modern Master Plan. So this evening, I believe we are discussing goals, objectives, and strategies for sustainability and resiliency. So with that, I will turn it over to Mr. Payne. Thank you, Mr. Chair. We're not going to waste any time because our time is short this evening. About 44 minutes left. And so tonight's topic, as you said, is to discuss sustainability and resiliency. This is one of the three theme areas that was identified during the first phase of the Midland City Modern Master Plan process. Um, so that's what we're tackling tonight. Just to give you a sense of how this fits into the overall project work plan, these are just the special meeting um, topics that are scheduled for the Planning Commission. So we're gonna come back at your next regular meeting uh, an hour before at six o'clock to talk about transportation and mobility to do an exercise similar to tonight's. Uh, at your meeting in December, uh, December 13, 6 o'clock, we'll talk about housing and neighborhoods. We're looking to use this feedback as we go out into the community in January and begin getting feedback on the goal setting process so that we can eventually come back to you in February with some more information, some more refined and, and uh, beefed up uh, goals, objectives, and strategies. Um, that's then going to feed your feedback will help us to prepare the draft plan that will come back in June. So this is all part of a process, a little bit of reciprocation and um, going back and forth with ideas. Um, and we're really at the ground level, uh, very literally, in terms of this goal setting process. So um, bear with us tonight. This will be our first chance running through this. We'll welcome feedback after tonight if you have any ideas on how we can build on what we learn. Uh, through trial and error to continue to make this productive um, as we go through our special meetings. So the purpose tonight, we're going to review um, the vision statements. So basically, we have taken your feedback from the E-City Hall survey and dissected it, aggregated it, uh, refined it uh, for tonight's exercises. So you'll see a vision statement I'll share in a second dealing with sustainability and resiliency to just kind of provide based on your feedback, some overarching themes that we saw in this topic area. Then you all conducted the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, or a SWOT analysis. So again, those topics, your feedback have been uh, kind of combined. 
uh, to get your feedback again, so to see what your fellow commissioners had to say. Then we're gonna move into refinement of the goals, objectives, and strategies. Um, and at this point, we kind of have, we're kind of in goal areas. So we've got these theme, these sub-themes, climate change, energy, water, wastewater. As you know, there were 25 of them in your survey, and so we're just tackling approximately a third of them tonight. And we're really just trying to get down to what matters, what is important to you, what do you think the community needs to be focused on over the next 30 years, and particularly within the next five years of the plan period. Um, those are the things that we're gonna start working on as soon as the plan's adopted. And then, as I said, all of this is gonna feed into the next round of public review and feedback. So with that, your vision statement based on the feedback we got from you on what does a sustainable and resilient Midland look like? And we kind of boiled it down into four bullet points. So Midland will be a community that enthusiastically responds to and welcomes change. And that comes in all forms, whether it's climate change response, technological change, demographic change, et cetera. Midland will be a community that is attractive to younger residents and newcomers. We heard a lot about that in the feedback. Midland will be a community that has a diverse economy. That seemed to be a pretty global concern. And Midland will be a community that is the community of choice in the region. And so this kind of summarized a lot of the lifestyle elements that were a common theme in your responses, um, that folks wanna make sure that Midland remains a place that is desirable to live. So with that, we're gonna jump into our first exercise. So you can go ahead and take your mics off. We're gonna be up and moving tonight quite a bit. So the first exercise tonight is on the wall. You'll see we've got our SWOT analysis feedback to the left, and we've got our kind of sub-theme areas to the right. These are your aggregated items that you provided us through eCity Hall. I want you to take a moment. Um, there, I think we have one sub-theme area per planning commissioner who's here tonight, so you don't have to crowd around them. You can kind of pick and choose and rotate around. Take a look at what everyone had to say, how it's been combined. There's markers in the back, so if, you, if you're looking and you go, something's missing here that I'm just thinking about reading this. We really need to have some attention on something else that's not captured currently. You're welcome to add to the list. If you see something that you feel like was feedback from you or that maybe you think could be improved upon, you're welcome to mark it up as well. I will tell you, none of this is intended to be like final language in a plan. This is just conceptual ideas. So there's no need to wordsmith. Um, but if you think something is missing, uh, in particular, I direct your attention to that. So if you wanna do that, you can work together, you can chat. When you're finished with that, go ahead and return to your seats on the dais and we'll jump into the second part of the exercise. So planning about 10 minutes, you can go ahead and start walking. We're planning about 10 minutes, uh, but certainly if you finish a little bit early, we'll jump right into part two.
for squeaking because one thing I think Ryan and I both knew as we were preparing for tonight is that and we hoped that seeing everyone's ideas on paper would help to bring out some additional ideas. It certainly has been the case for us as we've been preparing for tonight. So just as a quick debrief, is there anything that you all were surprised to see on tonight's list? Anything that you hadn't thought of or anything that you thought, huh, like that maybe had you scratch your head a little bit? I kind of mentioned to Andrew that I think the um, lack of healthcare services is just a, a matter of um, a miseducation. I mean, there's healthcare services here for people who can't afford really any care at all, where you can go and just be helped at no cost to you or any insurance provider. But I think it's not spoken of often, so people just avoid going because of the cost they assume they'll incur. Sure. So it's like, um, I didn't expect to see it on a list because I was thinking if, if I were in need of that service, I probably would have looked for it extensively. So I'm like, oh, that means that we haven't that person or people have not been notified, which is still, I mean, that's a really good way to find out that they don't know about it because it's on a list of things we should do, but it's, you know, existing already. Absolutely. And that could lend to opportunities too. And yeah. Some of the things could be a communication piece or you know, maybe a different avenue of getting there, but mm -hmm. could be a perceived need as well. I see the um, dams were brought up. It's not within the city. Um, and to go along with energy and climate change and clean energy, I didn't add on there because it's kind of covered in the umbrella, but if we rebuild the dams to create hydroelectric energy, that we would get a number of benefits. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good green form of energy. I haven't been actively involved in any of those conversations, so I don't know if that's... I don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> Just so. Oh. Well, and I don't view the local, the neighboring communities as much as a threat as I do, you know, an opportunity to, you know, cooperate, you know, with them. I mean, you know, if, if Bay City has a surplus of housing stock, you know, I've seen friends who had to take advantage of that. And if, for example, Freeland or something gets a industrial park that'll spill over to Midland. It's better, you know, stay in the area than go out of state. So there's kind of a cooperation with the other communities, I think. I was surprised to see that too, and that's what I made a note of, of just wanting to know more specifically what the competition yeah. was, because there's a balancing act between we need to clearly invest in the regional nature of the Great Lakes Bay region, but we've also got our interests as a city as well, mm -hmm. which are different from the interests of Bay City, which are the different from the interests of Saginaw. I think they overlap yeah. a lot of times, yeah. but there are distinct instances where they don't. <laughs> so, um, but I, I didn't, when I was going through the survey, I didn't actually think of the region as a competitor, so that's why I was curious yeah. to what other people thought, how people thought it was a competitor, if that makes sense. I think the other thing I was surprised to see was the, the future proofing. Um, yeah. Just for me, crystallize it. That's a really, from a sustainability perspective, that's something I hadn't thought of and just really mm -hmm. helped me crystallize um, or latch on to kind of a concept that was readily accessible to me if, as far as um, from a, like a master plan standpoint of like, you know, not having to go back and redo it again, but if we can have. Uh, development that's future proof that's going to help us be more resilient as well because you're not going back and right. using more building materials and 
more time and that sort of thing to rehabilitate something that maybe should have lasted longer. Yeah, especially we know climate change is going to have an impact, but it's hard to figure out exactly what it is. So, you know, building an adaptability and a commitment to maintain <laughs> stuff is also might be something we want to mention. Sure. Well, I would add maybe flexibility as well. Yeah, yeah. Because if things are changing yeah, right. and we don't know what to expect with certainty, being able to be nimble yeah, as mean, changes come. Putting in pipes in the ground and sealing them with concrete and saying that's it for 100 years, that's probably not what we're going to be dealing with. Well, we just even discussed most recently, too, we've got, from a zoning perspective, we're very good at saying, like from a setback and use perspective, you know, this is what yeah. this very tiny piece of land is supposed to do, and that's ultimately not flexible in any way, shape, or form. So, anything else, lessons learned from the exercise you want to chat about real quick before we move into part two? I would just, I'll just add too that I think we experienced preparing this, and also that I kind of observed in the conversation. One is that your perspective matters a lot and how you view these things. So mm -hmm. I know like affordability was up there as one of the strengths, I think, um, on the list. And certainly it depends on who you're asking. <laughs> and so I think context matters a whole heck of a lot. I think the other thing that's interesting is a lot of these issues cross over to a lot of other issues. Mm -hmm. And so I know it was a struggle for me looking at the survey and thinking, okay, well, is this a transportation item or is this a... And many items are, are across, you know, five plus action areas. And I know I told you in your directions not to worry about that. We can sort it out later. Um, and I'm sure you took that advice to heart. But it is, it does make this challenging, but it also, I kind of think, illuminates why it's important because our practices in one area have influence and impact on others. So, all right, so. I have one more thing to yes. add. So on the point about affordability, that was one thing that was surprising to me that wasn't on the list. So particularly having gone through the Redevelopment Ready survey this weekend, I liked how they defined resiliency in terms of a lot of what's already up there, which is more of the macro big changes. But I think they defined resiliency as well as more, I think they call them like chronic or like ongoing stressors. So things like affordability, if people can't have access to the basic things and can't afford the basic things, I like that that was included in their definition of resiliency. And I was, uh, I had, I didn't, if I'd gone through this, that survey beforehand, I think I would have included it in my response in City Modern. Um, so that's why I was surprised to not see it up here as well, to your point about affordability, kind of depending on where you're coming from. Absolutely. All right, let's jump to exercise number two. So about 15 minutes, we're going to ask you to get up again so you can take your microphones off. <laughs> and we're going to make you do the hard work of prioritizing some of these items. So we're not working with the SWAT anymore. We're just looking at the sub-themes to the right. So starting with climate change over to health and well-being, you're going to have a budget. So you're going to have uh, 12 dots. Wow. They're there were 41 items up there before you all made your life more difficult by adding two. So there's probably about 45 or so items up there now to spend your 12 dots on. 
you can spend those 12 dots on one item if you think, and this is really to tell us what do you think is most important. So if you believe that if nothing else, the city of Midland must do this one thing, you might wanna spend your 12 dots on it. If you think there's 12 things that are important up there and you wanna allocate one dot to each, you're welcome to do that. If you wanna put four on one, one on another, three on another. But the point is you only have 12 dots. You can't buy them from your neighbor. You can't bring your own dots in from outside. Those are, that is our time, our, our attention span, uh, our money that we have available is those represented in those, those dots. Um, not putting a dot on something doesn't mean necessarily that it's not important or not something that will make it through to the next step. So we're not voting things on or off the island of the master plan. This is just to give us a sense collectively of where the kind of energy and focus should be as we move forward in the process. So if you wanna get up, Brian's gonna hand you your, your dots for spending. It's been about 15 minutes. You're welcome to see how your uh, colleagues allocate their dots first. There may be some strategy here. Your dots can't be used to cancel out anyone else's dots, so.
You're gonna not even know these came off the post-it pad. <laughs> and it's being very diligent. So what did we think in this exercise? Was it difficult to, did we give you too many dots or did we not give you enough? You always want more dots. We had a lot of debate about how many dots you should have. I think it was a sweet spot. Yeah, it's like it forces you to make trade-offs if you don't have Yeah, Otherwise, I, I, I thought it was. Allowed you to double down on a few. Or I'm curious, <laughs> what, what trade-offs did people feel like they were making? Well, if you had 50 dots, then you'd, I mean, no, you'd take I, it to the extreme. I understand, within oh, the 12 within dots, the, so those, like, what, what were people making trade-offs between? Did anybody notice anything? Yeah, I found myself looking for items that could be more comprehensive. Okay. And could it maybe uh. include multiple priorities? <laughs> oh. I'm trying to get literally the hey, most bang for my dot. Cheating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's what it is. Yeah, I like that. I tended to, like, some of the vaguer concepts, I just chose the ones that included a future plan. So if I liked 80%, I said, cool, this one includes a plan that kind of is inclusive okay. of those. Okay. And then I'm going to put a dot there. And then I think the secondary one was, like, the things that are also more sustainable for a longer amount of time because some of them were like, yeah, we fix this right now, and then the next time it snows, we're going to be back here making this exact same decision. So those I just didn't prioritize. Well, part of what I'm asking is because I noticed, stepping back, there weren't a lot of dots in general on the like rivers and creeks, but there was a lot on the like uh, waste or the water management side. So I was just mm -hmm. curious if people were consciously trading off between climate change versus energy versus, or if it was more of just a general. I found some of the rivers and creeks ones to be too specific. And so it didn't feel like, it felt like we were going to spend a lot of effort, time, and money on something that, like, would immediately need fixing again and also not cure a real problem, which is Band-Aid one problem. I felt that way with a lot of stuff like, what is going to have a bigger impact? Like, creeks and rivers are important. They're an important part. But, like, <clears throat> healthcare seems more sure. important, I guess, or um, combating climate change, something like that. It just seems like it's more of a bang for your buck in terms of city spending and, you know, how we want to tackle something like that. Well, I viewed the creeks and rivers mainly from a drainage point of view, <clears throat> you know, kind of as an adjunct to ditches. And, you know, we've heard, you know, for a lot of the flooding, people complaining that, mm. you know, the, uh, the natural drainage systems get clogged up and aren't maintained. And so I kind of put that up a little bit because I was viewing it in a, a flood mitigation perspective. Sure. Well, clearly, from what I saw, everybody uh, everybody was prioritizing the uh, wastewater management ordinance over and above some of the other flood-related things, which I found really interesting. I put a few dots on that top one there uh, because I think we need to really take a look. We've had issues on the commission in the past as far as wrestling with what we should approve <coughs> or not approve, and our hands are tied with the way the current standards are. Yep. And I believe, at least personally, that we're building too close uh, to floodplains yeah. because I think those, uh, the way those floodplains are calculated now and determined are outdated. Yep. And those floodplains are actually larger than they are and will be. And so we need to really do something different there and account for uh, having more floodplains and more retention areas or whatever in order to help the you know, kind of tying into that sure. and along with what James had talked about. So that was some of my thinking. 
Well, a lot of those are more preventative too. If we can prevent the water from getting into, I mean, mm-hmm. an ideal world, the, the creek beds wouldn't be clogged for right. any water that gets there. But if we can prevent water from getting there in the first place, it's a little bit more right. proactive. Yeah, more retention. To that point, I found myself looking at the items and wondering, is this a cause or are we putting on a Band-Aid with this? I think that's why it took me so long because I don't always know. You know, that's where we need more research and more information. Um, so that was definitely uh, a consideration for me. Can you give an example? Um, well, for example, <coughs> I, I'll give you one. The EV chargers. Um, we just bought an electric vehicle and it would be great to have more chargers, but it's also like there's so much of, that's related to just convenience and um, what's accessible that goes into that decision. Yeah. And it would be helpful <clears throat> to have more chargers, but is that the thing that is most useful in you know, getting people to buy more EV vehicles? I'm not sure. I felt that way about the, the someone wrote that the um, that there should be an incentive like the city should provide tax incentives. But I think for one, I think typically those are more effective at the state level. And second, it would be strange in a way here where you don't even have a place to purchase them. Yeah. So it's like we're providing an incentive for something we don't right. even provide. So the order just didn't make sense to me. It seems like first, do we have a seller? Right. And then second, do we have a location? And then third, do we have an infrastructure? And then now should we provide an incentive? Which is why so far they've been state regulated because most cities yeah. don't, especially cities of our size. And I think less than 1% even own any. And I think that would be the next debate was now which brand, you know? And then, okay, now of these brands, which will give Midland the most incentive to even be here? And then where will they go? And what charges do they use? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And there's a potential for, um, new uh, technology disruptor for EV vehicles and hydrogen vehicles. Yeah, all right. So that's on the horizon. Yeah. I'll say over the shoulder, my initial takeaway was, it seemed like this group was gravitating towards the more action-oriented items. So things yeah. that were a little bit <laughs> less esoteric or, you know, it'd be nice if we did, or uh, maybe we should support something. It seemed like you guys want to to grasp onto things where the city could really take tangible action, which I think is good. I'm not surprised that the group went that way, <laughs> whether it was doing more research or planning for something or taking tangible action. And I think that kind of extended to, there seemed to be a gravity towards things that the planning commission has within its purview to tackle, which mm-hmm. I think is natural and uh, a good part of this process. Um, you can obviously tell that water is a big issue, particularly stormwater in the community, so I'm not surprised to see a lot of emphasis on that. I will say too, you know, talking about the connectivity between issues, you know, just just here, increasing standards related to construction and floodplains, it really touches on some other issues in, in what you wrote. So even just on this one, encouraging future-proof development could really, that could be a component of getting to a larger goal this might be a strategy to get us there. So this is where we're gonna start connecting those dots behind the scenes to say, okay, you know, we've got these big picture goals that we wanna accomplish, you know, related to climate change. What might our objectives be? Future-proofing development and what strategies might we entertain as a city to accomplish that? We might increase standards on our construction codes related to floodplains. So these things start to kind of sort themselves out into actual action items that the city can entertain in the plan. 
We can just pop through these really quick. We've got about, we've got a hard 6.45 adjournment, so we've got two and a half minutes. So this will be rapid fire. So climate change, it looked like that construction standards had a lot of support. Looks like here we've got a lot of interest in uh, sustainable and green buildings uh, at the city level. Under <laughs> water, it looks like we've got some interest in the MUGA and looking at its impact in the region. I'm sorry, Ryan. All that work. All that work for nothing. Ryan did so well. Wastewater, uh, I, loud and clear, we are some interest in the city's stormwater ordinance. And I know that's something that council's already expressed interest in. And it's gonna be starting soon. Not a whole lot on rivers and creeks. Not that there's, I think there's a lot of good stuff here, but maybe not our top priority tonight. Same thing with waste management. Although it looks like there's some interest in recycling and looking at how we handle the landfill in the future. Crash and then more biking and walking infrastructure, more activities for, for folks to be active. Are these dots all with this last item? I think so. Ensure access to fresh food. Perfect. That's the zoning issue in part, so that's good to see. All right. I think I saw too with especially the, the waste management and health and well-being, and I don't know what the <coughs> before that was, but part of just kind of taking a step back is that at least from our perspective as a commission, and I'd be curious to see if the community feels the same way. Basic necessities <coughs> around like you know sewage and water and like none of that showed up on the list. Like we're talking about like you know trying to do the nice to haves around uh, walking and biking and more curbside recycling and that type of thing, which are all great. But I just was noticing that maybe we're, I think we're assuming that a lot of that's being taken care of because the city does such a good job of providing those basic yeah. services. First world problems. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I guess my, my larger point being is that. If we as the commission feel that way, that's great. Um, but it's better if that actually aligns with the majority of the community. And I, I personally don't know if that's the case. So. Well, that's a perfect segue, Mr. Chair, as we near uh, perilously close to our adjournment. We um, will be taking, refining this information, taking it back out to the community and surveys um, and through our open house events in the winter months to see, to take the temperature and see where the community's priorities are. Is there anything where maybe we're misrepresentative of the overall community's objectives? And maybe there's some great ideas out there that haven't come up yet as we keep working towards final goals, objectives, and strategies. So with that, Mr. Chair, I'll allow you all to final comments and then you can entertain adjournment at your discretion. What else? I move we adjourn. <laughs> I have a Second. motion. From Commissioner Bain and a second for Commissioner Mayville to adjourn. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed, same sign. Special meeting is adjourned.